Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hedge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and you can find our work all over the internet. In fact, Ben, why don't you take the time and tell people, educate the people where they can read all of your stuff. Sure, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at Driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, TechSpot, and EV Pulse. Ben, we've got some pretty cool cars to talk about today. Well, one really cool car to talk about today, and uh, a bunch of other things that we, we should really we should really discuss, because... Uh, a lot happened in the last seven days. A lot happened. I, I was really caught off guard as to how much happened. So, I... I spent um, a week behind the wheel of a car that I was really, really excited to drive. It is the Toyota GR86, Sammy. And for wow, the 86, he did it. Everybody, he got into the GR86. Yeah, finally. Finally happened. Uh, it's a car that was redesigned asterisk for 2022. And mm. it makes some changes that are, I wouldn't say shocking or huge, but that generally do improve the character of the car, and it left a bunch of other things alone. And Sammy, I know you drove this car briefly. Uh, I want to say, was it last fall? Yeah, I drove it uh, a pre-production model back in uh, in August, just for like three days, though. It was really, really uh, a short time. And I, did, I also did a, a track event with it in October. So this is a car that I, I'm on record as saying I really, really love the Toyota, uh, the Scion FRS and the Toyota, Toyota, I can't say this, the Scion FRS and the Subaru BRZ, which are the platform twins that were introduced as 2013 models to kind of fill a gap in the market that, that no one was really paying attention. Well, there was one company paying attention to it. Um, that was Hyundai. And, and I'm talking about compact rear wheel drive coupes. Um, Do you think the Genesis is considered compact now? The Genesis Coupe back then? Yeah. Yeah, that was the same size, I would I say. I think it's as big as a, as a Mustang these days. These uh, these days. There isn't, hasn't been a Genesis Coupe in a long I time. I mean, those days. <laughs> no, I, it was a bit smaller. I think the, the 370Z was smaller. N- than what? A Genesis. No, I think it was real base wise. Okay. No base wise, maybe because it didn't have the back seat. But inside, a Genesis Coupe was a lot smaller than a Mustang or a Camaro, and certainly yeah, smaller. It's all that padding in the door. It's <laughs> certainly smaller than a Challenger. Yeah. But uh, the other thing too is, if you look at the world of affordable sports cars, I mean, for me, yeah, Mustang. Let's, let's let's take a good look at that uh, that world of affordable sports cars. Let's run down the list of them. Uh there's the BRZ and there's the GR86. <laughs> And well, so they, they entered a, they, they literally filled in 2013, they filled a gap. They filled like, a gap that I think the Genesis Coupe was part of back then. Yeah. Okay. I think price wise, you're right on the money. Yeah. And then 10 years later, no one else has jumped in. In fact, Genesis is gone. Like yeah. they, they jumped Genesis out. Was like we're out of here. Forget this. Um, for a very brief period of time, the 370Z was kind of in that space because they cut like $10,000 from the purchase price, right? And you got like an, was it a non LSD version of the car for it like 30 pretty, grand? Or it was something? a pretty basic version of the car. So it was maybe three or four grand more than the, the Subaru and the Toyota yeah. in that era. Yep. But it was still kind of there. But we're in a very different world now because the Nissan 400Z 
is a twin turbo machine that goes up against the Supra. And also, the Supra exists, which is a pretty big deal when it comes to the GR86, because it's, it's, the, the existence of the Supra directly informs the decisions that were made to keep the GR86 affordable and keep it kind of in its lane when it comes to performance. Okay, so talk to me about this, this, this experience that you had, because I was thinking back to the last time you drove one of these, um, Toyota Subaru twins, was back in 2020, um, and you seemed pretty impressed with it. You even had like a, a pretty trimmed up version of the BRZ called the TS at the time. No, it wasn't a TS. That was a fake. Oh, it was. It oh, was, so it was just a. It was just. Oh, sorry. Then it was something else. Yeah, it was like okay. a TS, but not a TS. Okay, cool. And you seemed really impressed with that. I think you had mentioned to me that if you were buying a car. It would be on the it would be on the short list. I think it says something like, "Why don't I own one of these?" Because they, honestly, yeah. they're cheap now, right? Like you can yep. get an older one for a very reasonable amount of money, less than ten thousand dollars. I'm pretty Ouch. sure. That I have, considering I have one in my garage, that hurts. Okay, <laughs> you want to hear what hurts? And this is a conversation you and I had earlier this week. So uh, this is a this is a sidebar, but I am losing the garage where I keep my Cadillac. Oh. And I keep that Cadillac there. It's a two two person garage with a friend of mine who has a, a Volkswagen four twelve. And the person I'm renting from is jacking the price up by like 100 or 150 dollars to a point where it's not it's not worth it. The garage is like o- an increase of over 50 percent. Yeah, the, the garage is okay, but it's not really waterproof, and uh, it's a little Ooh. bit of a sketchy neighborhood. So uh, when that price went up, I'm like, I need an alternative. I, I'm not gonna. I would pay that much somewhere that was good, <laughs> you yeah. know. So anyway. The reason I'm talking about this is because I did some calculations, and over the last, uh, I believe, seven years that I've been renting this garage, or six years, I have spent seven grand just on renting a garage for my Cadillac. That is probably 50% of the market value of that car at this point. Yeah, I remember you did this to me too, and I was like, when when you mentioned that, I'm like, wow, I've I've had a second spot in my place. And <laughs> if you think about how much you spend on on that for just it's, to put a car in a place, just to put a car in a place, it's like I could have bought half of the same car I already own. Yeah. It's just it's sad, you know. Depreciation humbles us all. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm at the bottom of the curve though. Like it's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. But in any case, to 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 get back to the point about the FRS and the BRZ and now the 86. They, it is quite inexpensive. Uh, right. So owning an older one, that, sorry, go ahead. Say owning, owning an older one is very reasonable, and it, yeah. it, it's very appealing in the sense that it's a pure package. You get a relatively lightweight. I mean, the the earlier cars are around twenty six hundred pounds. Rear wheel drive, six speed. It's a coupe, so a lot of people don't like roadsters. I know the Miata is always in this conversation, but it's not for everybody. And you get like vestigial rear seats. And you have it's a really decent trunk if you fold those rear seats down. Yeah, you can put tires, go to the track with tires in it. It does work. Mm-hmm. And it's reasonably reliable. I mean, yep. Sammy, you've had one for a long time. And you have I've had, had one since 20 since the 2013 model, so back in 2012. So you don't have any um, problems. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, it's not it's never been in the garage for like a serious period of time. Okay. And I like can't say for, that about for, anything I own. <laughs> yeah, I've never needed a a a, a big it's, I've never needed a significant repair on it. Uh so um, I really liked that version of the car, but 2022 things are different. It's a, it's a different perspective when you're looking and evaluating at a vehicle and Toyota had a chance to make some changes and they could have made some sweeping changes and they elected not to. And that kind of affected my enjoyment of the vehicle. Okay. That's kind of bold to me because I think the original car had, uh, um, a, a couple of flaws and what would, you, what would you say the main flaws were? 
I think it had this really annoying dip of tor- like torque dip or whatever they call it. This really lack of torque in the mid range of the re- uh, of the rev range. Um, kind of like a, a really, dead zone, kind of. Yeah, a dead zone, and it had a very low, uh, 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 like 7,400 RPM red line. So you're playing in that rev range all the time, and if it's not responsive in that zone, in that middle of the of the range, there, it just it feels dead, right? Well, it feels flimsy. The good news is the change that Toyota did make directly addresses two of those um, two of those complaints. Yes. Yeah. So a gone is the two liter four cylinder engine that it used to have. In its place is a 2.4 liter engine at 228 horsepower and 186 pound feet of torque. That's, I think, 22 ponies more or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, maybe 23. Let me pull up the exact number. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, yeah, 23 ponies and 28 pound feet of torque in, in, in addition. But not only that, the torque, max torque now arrives at 3,700 RPM. That's excellent. Which is, yeah, it's much lower. And, and honestly, you notice that almost immediately just in normal driving. Mm-hmm. It's driving the 2022 version of this car in traffic is so much easier than the older model. The red line has also been dropped to 7,000. So, Boo. well, it, it does make the power more accessible. It, 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 it feels like a more reasonable car to drive and the torque hole is gone. Like yeah. it's, it is a, the curve is linear. It makes sense. You never find yourself just kind of trying to g- grab the right gear. It's it's not a confusing thing you have to drive around, which is nice. Yeah, and I'll say from uh, as an owner of a of a first gen, you're in traffic. You're constantly playing with those first two that those first two and three gears just to figure out what the hell you're like. How to yeah, make in any car you have to shift down to first in traffic. It's, it's not, ugly. Yeah, it's not great. I remember I had a. Uh, the one liter three cylinder EcoBoost in the Fiesta. Oh, yeah. And that was a car where I had to downshift into first almost all the time. And normally you only use first, like if you're just kind of rolling, but sometimes I would, I would be like rolling to a stop sign or, or, or a green light, a red light, sorry. And it would turn green and I'd have to downshift from second to first just to accelerate. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. It was bad news, but um, I would say my, my other significant, um, drawback to the original model is that the cabin felt really um cheap like it felt really cheap it had no frills um plastic everywhere um it felt like that's where you could see there there was some cost cutting right so the new car i drove a premium trim which is there's only two trim levels premium and and ultra premium no there's just regular and premium i believe regular it's just like the gas station yeah it's just it's it's 87 and 91 those are the the two trim levels and you're like but isn't it called the 86 and you're like yes but 86 plus one is 87 and and you're like that doesn't make any sense moving the conversation along though yeah um i found that the interior is okay i the Mm -hmm. seats are nice the general presentation is good it has a cool gauge cluster it's like a digital setup, and when you put it in sport mode, it gives you a larger tack, which is which is always fun. And the infotainment screen no longer comes from Best Buy; it's it's an actual Best Buy would be an upgrade from wherever whatever place they, the, they got the, the old pioneer, one. the trunk of the car pioneer. That yeah. it's it's all yeah. That was a, honestly the worst part of the old infotainment system in the FRS and the BRZ was like the volume and the on off switch were so close <laughs> together that when you the volume be- is the volume button is tiny. And the, and the, sorry, the volume button is massive and the power button is tiny. And, and, and when, when your thumb, like when you're using the power, the, the volume, it rests on the power. Yeah. <laughs> and so if and you hit a bump. Compra- yeah. And then not only that, but if you hit the, the power, you hit the volume button, you'd expect either to mute it or something like that. It doesn't. It doesn't no, do anything. It doesn't do anything because it's literally the lowest buck thing they could find. <laughs> yeah. 
and install. But yeah. uh, the new one, it's 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 a it's a legitimate feels OEM type of infotainment touchscreen. It's a little laggy. I I used Android Auto with it, and I found that sometimes it just it would it was behind the curve by a few seconds when I was trying to move through songs. And also, I had situations where the steering wheel controls just stopped working. Like yeah, nobody needs those. The the whole brain of the car is is focused on going going fast or yeah, going so, being lightweight and doing whatever you need. So I'd say it's it's a marginal improvement there. I I didn't hate the interior as much as you hate your own interior, but I haven't spent as much time in it and I haven't like been picking it apart for 10 years, which is I well, feel your perspective. My biggest problem with the interior is that there's a familiar piece that's missing and that is the um the ti- the tiny digital um alarm clock, right? Or Where the is clock. the little Corolla LED clock? It's just gone now. I often, I actually opened up the center console to try and find it. I was like, maybe they stuffed it in here, and no, it's not there. So your 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 gloves and wallet will never know what time it is. Right, I forgot. It has an armrest now. It does, and it has uh it has unless you want to use the the drinks the the drinks holder in which the case cup there's, holder that's yeah. what I currently do. In which case there's no there's no. It's armrest. really uncomfortable. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, okay, then I mean. Tell me more. What's, what were your experiences like? I mean, on well, paper, everything sounds like it's a bit better. It's Yes, but again, a bit better is the perfect way to put it. What's interesting is, even though it only has a little bit more power, and it's actually like 200 pounds heavier than the old car, uh, they, they gave it like an aluminum hood, roof, and fenders, but it's still like 2,800 pounds. Um, it's, it's 0.8 seconds faster to 60. It's like 5.4 seconds if you really know what you're doing. Um, you can launch a four-cylinder car properly without bogging it down. You'll be able to see that. That's I've read some reports of down as 5.1. That seems excessive. The reason yeah. I say that is because I saw that number, which is like, again, almost a second faster than the older car. This car does not feel that fast. To me, oh. it does not feel significantly faster than the other car. It feels better. The drivetrain feels better. But when I'm in it, I'm not like, whoa, like a full second. You know, mm. especially that's like 18% faster. From yeah. Going from like six to like five point four, six point two to five point four, mm-hmm. and I couldn't quantify that with my butt dyno. It just kind of felt better, that's weird, better put because together. The, usually, a lightweight car, you feel um, those enhancements like exponentially. Yeah, I see. Which I, I would agree with you normally, but I think it has to do with maybe the extra weight. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's that's cool with me though because I don't really need it to be fast in a straight line. That's not why. Someone it needs buys to be fun. Jersey. Yeah, it needs to be fun. I think and responsive. I think it's fun, um, but I don't see it as a huge upgrade over the older car. And the reason that's problematic for me is because every single other car on the market has crazy power now. Yeah. Like almost oh, every oh, single and car. And it's not crazy power in an incredible zero like zero rpm torque figure from an yeah, electric car all these all these turbo cars like the, the base mustang which is a little bit actually cheaper it's two thousand dollars cheaper than a brz is like 305 horsepower i think yeah yes it's a heavier car but you can tune that four-cylinder eco boost for more power if you wanted to there's more potential i guess but now you're say. talking you're talking about like that straight line performance yes i, I when but, you just said this, that isn't important to this car but from a context perspective, I have to evaluate it among its peers. Yeah. And there aren't really any peers anymore. No, I mean, now all we just, we're now going to grab from everywhere we can. Yeah, because... And it, especially if you're talking... I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have even considered, you know, um, something like a Mustang. I would have even tr- started pulling in some hot hatches, which also have turbo engines with incredible amounts of torque, sure. right? That you feel right off the line. But the reason... 100 and, 100 and... How much torque does it have? 100 and... 184. 186. Okay. Like seriously, I think uh, like regular 
Honda Civics, not even like a SI or something, have more than that sometimes, right? The, re- the reason I went to the Coupes is because this is a rear-wheel drive car. Yeah, of course. So I, I understand. I understand. I'm just saying, um, performance-wise, um, it, it just feels no matter what, whether you're talking about perform like uh, a rear-wheel drive um, sporty coupe or you know a hatchback, um, a, a hot hatch or a lukewarm hatch, you're getting more power everywhere you go, except for in this car. Except for in this car. And, I mean, it makes more power than the Miata, but the Miata is a lot lighter, like 400 pounds lighter, mm-hmm. which is which is quite significant. And roofless, um, which is cool. Yeah, but a lot of people don't want the, don't want the roof to drop. You know, like, there, there's a... For some people, especially performance people who are going to a racetrack, that is a liability. Right. It, it's a safety issue. Okay. Um, and it requires additional safety equipment when you when you're at the track, and some people just don't want to pay for that. And and I understand that. Um, in any case, the, the 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 comparing it to its peers, where it doesn't have any peers, you start scrambling. I mean, a Camaro four cylinder only has like 260 horsepower. It's not a huge amount, but it does have a lot more torque. It's like you start looking at cars where you're you seem to be getting more value, but also those cars offer a usable back seat for the most part, and um, they're just generally more comfortable. So today, if you want to buy the the GR86, you have to really, really want it. This has to right. be something you're buying it for a specific reason. It's a toy that can it can be used as a daily driver, and it's better at that. But it's not the kind of car where it's not an all arounder. At least not in the same way that muscle cars are, or even okay. entry level muscle cars are. And I think that's kind of a problem for the car, and it became a problem for me because. I understand now that it'll never be anything other than what it is. Because if you gave the, the GR86 300 horsepower, suddenly it's going to be tackling the Supra in right. terms of performance. The, the yeah. Supra is like, what, 389 or something? Uh, an underrated 389. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's heavier, probably at least six or 700 pounds heavier. So it would be very easy to bring these cars into performance parity. And Toyota absolutely can't do that. So we're seeing the ceiling now on this car. We're never going to get the turbo. We're never going to get a factory supercharged model. This is what you're getting. And it's a niche that only they occupy. I was looking at this because I was thinking, um, you had given me the an idea of, of how you were feeling about the car earlier on in the week, and it was a bit surprising. But I think you're right that context is just so important right now and that when the vehicle landed, it was pretty um, appealing. And now when we look back on it um, and what else is available in the market and where it fits now, it, it's it's part of a performance family at, at Toyota, believe it or not, uh, with a Supra and even a new hot hatch version of the Corolla, which sounds really crazy. I keep thinking about, the last generation model. This is a, a an, an update in some pretty reasonable and important ways, but is it worth the extra cost of getting one of the last years of it, right? Yeah. And especially when I you would, look, you know, the chassis isn't that different. They didn't No, the do, chassis is more or less the same. Yeah, they they, they 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 it's got a different stabilizer bar at the rear and the shocks have been have been changed. But the, the, I'm pretty sure all the hard points are the same for mounting, and the geometry is the same. It's it's like one inch longer, and it does have different styling. I'll, I'll yeah. give it that. But it's not it's not a new platform. And so, and not only that, the, the aftermarket community for this has actually been pretty um, supportive, which was, I think, a really um, like that was a word that was a an unknown back when the car launched ten years ago. Would the would the aftermarket really support it? And I think. That it, it, right, from now, ten years later, we're saying a resounding yes. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if you told our listeners that if they wanted a new 86, they should probably get one of the old ones and and touch it up. I think that you would get a very similar experience to now. Um, yeah. Obviously, that the, the drivetrain, though, like the torque thing, if mm-hmm. you do leave it the way it was, the drivetrain is better. I just don't know how compellingly better it really is. This is a good car. From yeah. the, 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 my biggest complaints about the car, it's super loud inside. I took it on a road trip, um, about 300 miles, and yeah. it has Michelin <laughs> Pilot Sports on it. And holy cow, I could not hear the podcast I was listening to without cranking the volume on the stereo to an uncomfortable level. I was very surprised by that. I've never mentioned this about about uh, my experience with it too. Is that I think one time I had to go to uh, Shannonville Racetrack, which can sometimes feel like it's five hours away when it really isn't. It's just the longest, most boring drive ever. And I seriously, I did it in the, F- in the FRS, and I thought it was, like, I thought this was going to kill me. I thought this was an <laughs> awful experience. And I really feel bad because my, my wife commutes in it now, and sometimes she's stuck in traffic, and I think when she gets home, she's, like, on edge. It's, it's a really a different experience. It's not a luxury car. It's nowhere even close to... Um, a humane experience in some cases. Yeah, and that's and that's part of what's driving me to say that it's not the all-rounder that other cars are, and it can be used as a daily, but it's not its best use. Its best use is back roads and the track, and if, yeah, you're if you're going to do that, you're going to love it, but you got to make sure you're going to do that. I mean, yeah. it, it's you know, we, we used to complain about the 370Z in the sense that it, it was kind of frozen in time, mm-hmm. so it kind of felt like an old car being sold as a new car and it did a lot of things really well and it was fun to drive, but there were features that were missing and it was also a car that was loud inside. And it was as a new product, it was kind of expensive too. Yeah. So the, the GR86 is like a modernized, it's an updated version of that concept where it's built better. It's like 50% stiffer than the older car as well. But again, something you might be able to replicate on the aftermarket. Uh, And, and it has the better drivetrain, but it's it's still it's not a new generation of the car. It just feels like an iteration of the car. It's and it doesn't even feel like a point five, right? Like yeah. halfway to a new generation. Yeah, and it's been ten years, so well, it's clear that we're not going to get a, su- I mean, a super GR eighty six, and that's fine. Yeah, and at the same time, it's still fun to drive. Like that's, yes, that's clear, and that's yes. that was the mission. If they had a, a mission brief. They hit it. And right? it's like twenty seven grand, as I said. Yeah. Two grand more than a base Mustang, but it's cheaper than a lot of other cars. A considerable so number is, of cars. If you could get something between twenty fifteen and twenty twenty for uh like an eighty six or a BRZ for about for less than twenty grand, do it, right? Yeah, probably. For sure. Probably. Okay, cool. Um, anything else you want to add about this uh, about this eighty six? No, do you I, think we're ever going to get more competition to this? Is it done? Toyota I, has just oof, has just, just dropped their wallet on the table and said, "We owned this. We made a whole new thing with Subaru." And until somebody else ponies up and tries to tries to team up with another automaker to 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 interfere in this really small demographic of, of car shoppers, we we almost got a couple of potential. Um, competitors over the last 10 years. There yeah. was the, the Nissan ID4. Was it called the ID4? IDX? ID4 is a Volkswagen. That's right, that's right. So it's the IDX. It was kind of like a 510, retro yeah, 510 cool. style. There was the Chevrolet Code 130R. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was, yeah. That was an alpha platform, I believe. Uh, so it's the same platform as the Camaro, but it was a lot smaller, two door rear wheel drive coupe. That never got built. Mm-hmm. So those, I think, are the closest newcomers we ever got. 
Ford's not going to do anything because they don't build cars anymore. Chevrolet doesn't really want to build cars. And Dodge, who knows what's going to happen with Dodge? I mean, and Nissan. And Nissan, I don't know if they have the. Well, Nissan already has the Z. They're, they're, they're not going to make a lesser Z. They're just yeah. not. I think the closest chance we might have would be Hyundai getting back into the game because Hyundai does weird stuff all the time. They mm-hmm. just did the Santa Cruz, which came out of nowhere, and they have the Veloster R, which is like, or Veloster N, sorry, which is a crazy vehicle that makes no sense and is awesome to drive. Mm-hmm. So, if they, if anyone was going to do it and who has the money to do it, I would say it would be either Hyundai or Kia. But I don't yeah. really see it happening because I don't think there's any money here. Yeah, I think that's exactly the problem, right? Um, and I don't know. Would and I don't know if I feel like the Korean automakers are constantly trying to show off that they've got um, ex, like quality throughout their lineup rather than like performance and fun. Even though they do have fun. To drive vehicles, well, if you think I think about, they I want mean, something. Kia doesn't really have a performance car right now. I mean, the closest thing they had was the GT, the Stinger GT. Yeah, which is which nobody... is more of a grand touring car, right? But exactly. I mean, they don't have like a dedicated performance car. Like the Veloster N is a dedicated performance car, and, and in fact, it's the only version of the Veloster still being sold. Yeah. So at least Hyundai has that, but Kia can't point to anywhere in its lineup and be like, "This is our, this is the fun to drive spirit of Kia." Yeah. You know. So, it, given that they're so focused on EVs right now, who knows if it's ever going to happen? Right, right. Um, anything else you want to add about the your your eighty six uh, experience or the what uh, sort of co- thoughts it put into your head? No, I want to talk about the thoughts that were put into your head last week when you visited the Principality of Monaco, Sammy. Yeah, so um, I'm sure a couple of our um, our followers and, and listeners who follow me on on Instagram saw that I was uh, living my best life over in in Europe. The this is a byproduct of a, a really, to me, once in a lifetime experience that I uh, I got. It's part of um, now. This is a it's really tangential. Like you really want to hear all of the all of the the background here is that uh, I was contacted by Poker Stars, who is a team partner of Red Bull Racing in Formula One, um, and they have a new um, sort of promotion called the Red Spade Pass. Now anybody who's played poker before probably knows that uh, PokerStars is a pretty big name. And so... Have, I think they're the official betting partner of Formula One as well, whatever that means. Whatever that means. Um, so this Red Spade Pass is offered as a, a prize for tournaments. It's offered as a door prize or a raffle prize. Um, and uh, it offers uh, winners this sort of really um, exclusive and... Uh, extravagant look at their uh, at the Red Bull Racing um, team. When I so, think when I think Sammy, I think exclusive and extravagant. Do you really now? I do. So I feel like this is this is like hand into glove for you. <laughs> so that means that um, I got to go to. Um, we actually flew to Nice. Every day of the every day I was there, we took a helicopter over to Monaco. We then watched the practice, qualifying, and race, as well as the supporting races going on during the Monaco GP um, from a yacht, and um, we had a good time. We partied, and we, I even got to meet um, the race car driver Sergio Perez. So, two questions: Did they let you pilot the helicopter? No, they didn't. But I got really close to it. Did they let you pilot the yacht? No, but um, one of the people in our group uh, sounded the horn on it when uh, it's the race the, was over. The horn? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that's what it was called. I thought it would have like a nautical name. The the nauti- nautical horn. Yeah, there you go. That's that's more my speed. The water horn. Of the course. water, yeah. The aqua horn. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I've never been... So, 
between you and me, I've never been to, well, and now all of our listeners, I've never been to a Formula One race. I've always wanted to. I've always thought that my chance would come at the Canadian GP in Montreal. Which seems reasonable. Which, yeah, right? And um, I hadn't um, gotten there yet. And so to take this chance to what might be one of the more important races or, or iconic races, I suppose, in Formula One, the Monaco GP, which is this really unique track. And when you get there, you really understand whether or not this is made for race, this area is made for racing, um, comes kind of clear. It's very narrow. It doesn't feel like a street circuit when you're looking at it. Um, there aren't a lot of opportunities for passing and, um, as we found out during race day, the weather can be somewhat inconsistent. Um, the, the practice and qualifying sessions were blazing hot. And then when the, when the race day came, it was pouring so much so that the, the race started uh, under a red flag or with a red flag and had to be postponed for about an hour or so. So it is a, it is a crazy cool experience, but there is also this, this whole discussion as to whether or not Monaco um, will be continuing as a race in Formula One. Apparently, they're getting so many different offers, mostly from, I think, some of the the richer countries around the world, maybe some of the Middle Eastern countries, that um, are putting a little bit more money on the table and saying, we want to have a race in F1, and potentially Monaco would be the one getting bumped, which seems unfair, right? Like, What's the reasoning behind Monaco being the one to get the axe? So I've heard all sorts of different... Um, Explanations between it not being an entertaining race, um, between the sponsors at Monaco being different than Formula One's official sponsors. So there's some sort of... Um, like a friction. Yeah, there's friction there. That's a great way to put it. Um, I have... I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I think everything that happens in Monaco is controlled by um, the city and is like... I think Formula One is getting tired of that. So uh, did you enjoy your Formula One experience? Yeah, it was awesome. And you know what? Ch- chatting with um, Perez, he was extremely um, polite. He answered uh, a bunch of questions very well. Um, and and clearly, I asked him, you know, sort of the the lessons that he would have uh, he would go back and tell himself um, um, when he f- first started out in Formula One about ten years ago. He he said to me, you know, essentially to, that there are lots of really highs and lows in F1, and no matter how low those lows get, to never give up, which apparently he, he himself admitted to, to to doing so, that there were moments in his career where um, he thought that was it, like I, he needs to throw in the towel, maybe it's not for him or his opportunities aren't coming. But hey, man, he, he ended up, spoiler alert, he ended up winning the whole thing, um, which is a big deal. They also he also explained that this track is extremely tricky due to the makeup of the of the road. Um, apparently, there were some places that had been resurfaced, and um, it was really bumpy for some of these cars. The cars are now larger than they than they've ever been, and making those winding turns that they that they have in Monaco is not easy. Um, and then there was one more thing that qualifying is everything really. Um, and he qualified, I think third ended up winning the race due to some, um, I guess, planning decisions by, by Ferrari, um, and some other uh, actions of the races on the, on the track, as well as, um, just the, the impact the weather had on, on the whole thing. So do you think you're going to start watching Formula One now? Well, so this is the thing. I've been really uh, watching or paying attention to it from a, a really like a distance. And when I mean a distance, I mean like a far distance, a distance that you would need maybe binoculars to to spot. 
Um, but ever since that, uh, that Netflix series, I'm sure I'm not the only one, ever since the Netflix series, you get a far closer, um, taste of what Formula One is about, those storylines, you start to kind of root for root for teams or you start to um, really follow and, and pick your favorites a little bit closer. I think these are things that aren't always available when you're watching it on TV. You don't get that much access. You don't get those interviews or those experiences or all of those storylines. And I think that really helped. And that Netflix series also made it more approachable from from people who don't even like motorsports. Uh, I know now family members and uh, and my partner really like um, watching this so much so that my my wife told me not to tell her what happens during the race because she wants to see it in in Netflix um, uh, with the Netflix storyline. Plus, you also get very emotional when you I do. This. I do. I, I kind of I start. I get red in the face. I get so. Um, I, I think now I am getting into it. I I actually have secured um, um, entry to the the Canadian Grand Prix, so I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, and and contrasting because I know they're going to be different experiences. Mon- Montreal and Monaco, um, they they're not the same. They're not cut from the same cloth, right? Um, and, no comments. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on, Ben, you gotta you gotta chime in here. Um, but it will be a different experience and a different race, uh, a different race for sure. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. And you'll probably hear about it here on the podcast as well. All right. So wrapping things up this week, I know there was a, there were, there were a ton of announcements that happened over the last few days. It's almost like the rest of the industry decided to have a car show and didn't invite anybody. It's just like an online flurry of news and data and information. This really caught people off guard because I don't think there was a lot of um, a heads up. I think uh, a lot of a lot of journalists or media knew that there was a a, a Toyota thing happening, um, so they were preparing themselves for all this tech, Toyota news. But then all sorts of other things happened at, on the same day as this Toyota news. So uh, I think it was on the first or the thirty first. All sorts of news happened. Your if you if you subscribe to or you follow some some news outlets on Twitter or, or I don't know if people use RSS feeds anymore I don't know but uh, you probably got inundated and you might have missed a few things. Boy, hit me with so, this news. Okay, so first of all, I think the the number one thing we, we mentioned the Land Rover 130 that happened last last uh, week or so. We mentioned it. There's a new eight seater or seven seater version of the big Land Rover Defender. I don't really care about that. What I want to tell you is Lexus dropped the new RX on us. Uh, which looks really funny. It has a different grille. Will be um, the the V6 is going to be dumped in favor of a four cylinder and a hybrid and a plug in hybrid, wow. as well as I... something called the RX 500, which that... is just another plug in hybrid. Yes, a, a turbo powered version of the of the Lexus. So hybrids for everyone and confusing nomenclature continues at Lexus. That's that's kind of my takeaway from there. Yes. And <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. Then Toyota the next day showed off um, that they're not done with hybrids, obviously. They're bringing the hybrid... Uh, they, they, we've, they already have a Corolla hybrid, right? Um, now they're going to have an all-wheel drive Corolla hybrid, which I thought was pretty unique. And they're also going to bring the Corolla Cross hybrid um, to North America, which is cool too. What so about the Yaris Cross? Still no word on that, right? Still no word on that. Um, that that I don't think that's happening. I don't think we're the market for it. All right. Well, with that um, attitude, we'll never be the market. That's true. They also showed off a special edition version of the 86. That's bright orange. They also debuted a special edition version of the Corolla GR. 
Remember this uh, hot hatch? This rally interested hot hatch? Rally interested. I like that. That sounds like something you put in a Tinder profile. <laughs> I'm rally interested, but I I don't really have any experience. They managed to shave off, I think, a hundred pounds or something from this um, this all wheel well, drive. Well, they took their rear seats out, didn't they? Yeah, they took out the rear seats. So that'll and do it's it. Got, yeah. So that's interesting. There was a new Jaguar F-Pace Special Edition. You're going to love this one. It's called the um, SVR Edition 1988. Do you know what that references, my friend? Uh, I'm assuming it references hair metal. My birthday. My birth year. <laughs> Your birth year and hair metal culture. <laughs> yes, of course. Because it's all purple, which is cool, right? Yeah. This- just like the purple prose that gives you away. Exactly. So this actually honors the Le Mans winning Jaguar XJR9. Built uh, by won- Tom Walkinshaw, one of the most badass people in racing. That won, that over, that won overall at the 1988 uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. Remember, remember how key SUVs have always been to, <laughs> Le, Mans. to Le Mans competition? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think Le Mans, I'm like, oh man, what an, what an, if, what an, the SUV heritage dripping from this event. So does Jaguar not have any more cars? Is that their thing? They, it's or kind of seems make, like that's the message. Or will they just make an SVR edition for each one of their... They should make an SVR, SVR Roadster. <laughs> SVR yeah. F-Type, F-Pace Roadster, sorry. It'll be, the, it'll be the F-Pace, F-Type Memorial <laughs> Edition. <laughs> Where they why, remember why what the F-type, this an was. F-type That's I completely forgot about the F-Type. Why isn't it an F-Type? It doesn't make any sense. But what's the, didn't you say that it's limited to a certain number of editions? Yeah, 394 examples will be built. And why is you know, that? That is the number of laps that the XJR9 Le Mans race car made in 1988. That's kind of sh- weird. Like, like if you made a Daytona 500 edition and you only <laughs> sold 500. Like, we get it. We know, we know what's going on lap-wise. <laughs> Everyone would have the. Everyone would only make 500 versions of the Daytona. Yeah, it, it wouldn't just be uh, Ford and 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 Dodge. But there was another automaker that did 394 laps, I think, in 1984, in 1988. That would be Porsche. So uh, I think Porsche should really get involved here. No, they should make like, a 393 and call it like uh, like the missing pace lap or something. <laughs> yes, of course. Missing pace lap edition. Fabric roof that buttons to the vehicle. It's it's just clasps and snaps, and it's twenty thousand dollars more. And if you want a bag for the top, it's another five thousand dollars. Okay, we're not done with all the news, man. The bag is I'm... purple. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Um, you know your 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 uh, often forgot about uh, American brand Buick has decided that they're going to be going all EV, just like uh, Cadillac, I guess. Which is again confusing Buick, right? Because they shouldn't really step on everyone else's toes, right? Well, what's weird is for me, I look at that news and I think, okay, so Buick can afford to walk away from their entire North American clientele. And bet it all on EVs, which suggests to me that their North American clientele might be far smaller than I had initially thought. Of course. I bet you – can you name every single Buick model there is? There are – let me see, let me look Envision, at Envision, Encounter, Enrage, <laughs> Enrobe. There's – hold on. Wait. One, a- enter, uh, two, three, four. Enterprise is that one? The Buick there Enterprise? There are four cars in the Buick lineup the right now. And Riviera. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> There are four products for sale by Buick. Do you know what they are? There's the I said I've already said Envision. Envision is one. You got it. Perfect. Envision two. No, oh. no Envision two. Um, there's the the version of the Traverse, 
which is called the Terrazza? I don't know what it's called. No. Buick Encounter? No. It's an N something, though, isn't it? I don't know why they went with this nomenclature. And what's even funnier is that they seem to suggest that um, their EV might take the um, the Electra name. Is that what the name was? Electra. Electra X in, in China has a new concept, a Chinese market concept. Um, and they showed the Americans something called a Wildcat EV, which is a coupe and likely something that will never get made. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic on this news. I mean, I like the Regal. I like the Regal Tourex. Uh, everything else is, it's pretty generic GM. It's, it's, it's inoffensive. It's fine. Um, I don't really think about it too often. So if they were to go all EV, it, it, it has no impact on my life. And maybe it would be good for GM, question mark? I'm not sure. Okay. And then speaking of other um, questionable special editions, I read about this new 2023 Polestar 2 BST Edition 270. BST? What is that? That sounds like a hormone you would get in, like, in meat that's banned in the European Union. Like, it's not, you know, like, is it BST-free beef? I only eat BST-free beef. I can only confirm that um, of the name BST Edition 270, the 270 refers to how many versions of this car will be made. How many laps, though? How many laps? (laughs) We don't know. I'm assuming 270, of course. I I heard it was called the BTS 270, but BTS (laughs) could only do 260 laps, so they're like, not going to work. Now, this car has more power. Um, uh, 476 horsepower and 502. Once again, we have no idea where this BST and 270 comes from. As far as I can tell, there is no reference. There is no one. There is no. In fact, for in the story that I'm reading at Motor Authority, Polestar spokesperson said he would not say what the BST in special edition in the special edition name stands for. It's an internal moniker. He that is so weird. It's like <laughs> we have a secret name for our car and you don't get to know what that is, but please buy it. Yes. So there's that. There's only 47 of these. 270 will be coming to the U.S. and 15 for Canada. So if you see one of them, um, be sure to ask the owner. If you see one of them, the you're BS- not going to know because no one knows what BST is. Exactly. Are they exactly. even going to put a BST badge in the car or is that too secret as well? They're just like, no, sorry. You don't get a badge. The owner it, will know in their heart of hearts that they're driving a BST. I don't think there is a BST badge. There's a big stripe down the middle of the press car, uh, of the press photos. Maybe that's it. Wow. That sounds like something I look at really mocked real quick. Um, what else do we have, my friend? Electric MQB. Meh. Um, there's apparently a new Mustang coming with a V8. You know that. Mercedes has an AMG one that they won't sell in a Mercedes AMG one hypercar that they won't sell in the U.S. So that's so, something about emissions. Yes, it's it can only be sold in the Maldives and like <laughs> certain jurisdictions of South America where emissions are but a memory. And a new uh, DeLorean. It's called the Alpha Five. It's an electric car. It does zero to, zero to <laughs> it's eighty-eight miles per hour in four point four seconds. It's pretty which snazzy. would make the the Back to the Future movies way shorter, right? It's pretty snazzy looking. Do you think they will build it? And my follow-up question is: This the same company that is building continuation DeLoreans? Am I supposed to know the answer to that? Yeah, well, you're the one with the news, my friend. I don't know all because of Because I know news. there's a company that has been creating new versions of the DeLorean like by building up older shells, and I thought they were the same company that was using the name for the new car as well. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm, t- I'm going to tell you right up, straight up, they're going to make this thing. They're going to make it. You know that. Yeah. Okay, um, all right. A new Sa- DeLorean Sammy will be a driver's guarantee. car. Guarantee. It will be featuring a, um, a carbon fiber tub. That sounds expensive. 
I mean, I've seen a picture of this car, and everything about it looks expensive, so it's not yeah. surprising to me. Uh, and we'll make it <laughs> make its public debut at uh, con- at Pebble Beach. I had to pay ten dollars just to look at the photo. Yes, I know. So I think that's all the news I want to talk about this week. If you've got anything interesting uh, you want us to tell us talk about, just just let us know. We're we're pretty open. Actually, I um, let me see if we Uh-oh. have any listener feedback to to talk about this week. Um, Actually, yes, we did have a question from uh, a listener named Justin, who he's he's been listening for a long time. He knows we've been talking more about more about electrics and hybrids, but his oh, question no. Is was this one of the listeners who doesn't want us to talk about no. EVs he actually anymore? he actually wants more details. He oh, no. said, "I want to know how much more, or not how much more, but how much it costs to charge an electric vehicle." That, that's okay. something that we never really talk about. Like range, he says range is a key point, but he wants to know the difference between a fully charged car compared to fuel costs. So, Justin, that's a really good question. It's it's somewhat complicated because it depends entirely where you live, and that doesn't just reflect fuel prices. Like right now, fuel is like six dollars a gallon in California, right? And I think four dollars a gallon everywhere else. So the comparison between electricity and gasoline is going to be variable, but. Um, electrical costs are just as variable. Where, where I yeah. live in Quebec, it's the cheapest electricity in North America. I pay something like six Canadian cents per kilowatt hour, which I think is four and a half cents in U.S. dollars, which mm-hmm. is again maybe half the cheapest price you would pay in the United States. So all of these things together, it can really it can really vary. Then there's the fact that if you're not charging at home and you're paying to use charging infrastructure somewhere else, that in itself comes with its own cost because not every charger – some of them you charge by the hour. Some of them charge by the unit of electricity. Some of them it's a flat fee. It gets pretty complicated. The difference uh, – if you look online, it's a little bit much for us to go into numbers-wise on the podcast – but you can find uh, the best metric is usually miles or cost per mile. Yeah. So if you know the range of a vehicle and you know the size of the battery, you can tell how much it's going to cost you where you live to fill that battery to 100%. And then you can figure out the cost per mile of driving using that electricity. Then you can compare that to the cost of fuel and the fuel efficiency of a gas vehicle over the same distance. That's kind of the rough way to compare it. But almost always, electric electric cars are cheaper on a mm-hmm. cost per mile basis. So, I mean, I, it, it isn't the same thing, but like, I just looked at my, my electricity usage, um, and I, I take a look at that cost and I, and I try to suggest, like, if you're going to add an extra, you know, 100 kilowatts because you're charging your car during this time or when you're not, you know, you're adding this much battery charge, right? Yeah. Um, which is just like fuel. So I would imagine that you spend, like, or at least for, for where I live, cause we have, um, really affordable hydro. But even you say that. And I think you pay two times what I pay. Only because of this ridiculous delivery fee our country is saying. Are, so it's Sammy insane. and I live in different provinces, but they're, bro- they're bordering provinces, and he pays twice as much for electricity. Yeah. So, like, literally, I pay – last month I used uh, 300 kilowatts, uh, kilowatt hours of, of electricity. I paid 60 bucks for it. Um, you know, so, like, if you were to put that in, in, in terms of batteries, right, there are some cars with 100 kilowatt our batteries. Sure. And, and, and there's another, there's even another thing to consider and that's your electricity costs can be variable depending on the time exactly. of day that you're uh, charging. That's so, also right. So you got off peak, on peak. Yeah. Uh, where I, I live, a, where I, I live, a there, peak. 
where I live, there isn't. There's no off-peak, on-peak. It's 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 the same all the time. But some so, jurisdictions yeah. they move past that, and you get you you pay a certain amount for the first hundred kilowatt hours, and then the second hundred kilowatt hours is more expensive. So Ooh, if you if you have that. a wow, so like let's say you, your coverage, or sorry, your coverage, your electrical usage right now keeps you in that first block, and you mm-hmm. buy an electric an electric car. It could push you Bumps into you. that second block, yeah. and suddenly you're paying a higher rate for that next amount of electricity. So it's really complicated. Bottom line, and then that's also not even mentioning the cost of public chargers, especially fast chargers, which can be kind of expensive, right? Like I think about twenty dollars an hour on sixteen to twenty dollars an hour, depending uh, on on the where you are. Yeah, yeah, it can be a lot. I mean, where I am, it's a dollar an hour for like the eleven to twenty-two kilowatts, which is pretty cheap. Yeah, that's decent. So, I mean, we'll t- we'll take a closer look at our uh, at our char- charge uh, and and costs. I think from now on, especially since we have some more interest in that, um, there is a lot of math involved. It's not as easy as getting a receipt from the gas station, which is which isn't. I mean, that's the way it is now, right? <laughs> and if you if you have a question of your own about anything automotive or a very deep personal question that you want Sammy to answer that will make him uncomfortable, you can get in touch with us in a bunch of different ways. Um, Justin got in touch with us through the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There is a form you can fill out and click submit and it sends it right to our inbox, but you can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram at hunting Benjamin. You can find Sammy at underscore, sorry, at Sammy <laughs> underscore. Yeah, it doesn't lead. There's no leading underscore there. He's on Twitter at Sammy underscore hot, like you're laughing. Or you can email me the old fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Um, what are we talking about next week, Ben? Uh, next week. Well, and, and also, uh, I wanted to mention to Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you can find us on any podcatcher pretty much that's out there. Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple. We are ubiquitous. Oh, come and, on. They know this already. And if you go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you can subscribe using one of our many handy buttons. Next week, Sammy, I am going to be talking about the Honda Ridgeline pickup. Okay. I'm going to be driving the... I've got a good name for this one. I forgot it. Kia Telluride. That's what it was. Kia okay. Telluride. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye.